Yo, what's up, Power Book for Force fans? I'm sitting here with Elias. I'm uh, talking all about Simon McDougal on Force every Sunday night on Stars. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, Adrian. I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Bill, welcome to the cave. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Thank you, man. Like, you know, like uh, when the listeners and viewers tune into this interview, that uh, I can see you on Power Book 4, the new sh- uh, spinoff, Force, yeah. as Simon McDougall, man, uh, it's going to be a fun time, fun ride for you so far. Absolutely. And the, the fans are awesome. Like, I think that's the thing mostly that uh, has, like, really surprised me about the show. Yeah. It's just the, the fan base is, is amazing. and. Uh, the, the amount they've already been talking about Simon. I've only been in one episode so far. It's uh, great. I love it. That's great. And before we dive into more of the show, you know, I want to get to know a little bit more about you. Man. Like what made you get into this industry? I know you grew up in Chicago and everything, you know, big yeah. theater acting over there. Like what made you get into it? Um, you know, I did a play my senior year of high school and I got hooked and I did a play. I did the play on a dare. That was a right. sports guy. So uh, track, cross country, wrestled, baseball was my thing, really. Um, and uh, yeah, a friend of mine's like, I'm going to audition for this play. And he was doing it at kind of as like a, as a goof, you okay. know? Um, and then I was like, well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then we both got cast. And he was like one of my best friends. So then we both got hooked. Um, but yeah, that was it. I did that. And I was, I thought to myself, this is, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, wow. I don't, I don't think my parents believed me at the time, uh, but then they got to eventually see that I was, you know, obviously serious about it. So. Was there ever a backup plan? Did you ever tell your parents, hey, I'm going to go this route and something happens, you know? No. No, you just went no, for it. Never a, never a backup plan. I was uh, going to play baseball. Okay. That's what originally I was going to do. And, um, but that I just, you know, I sort of knew, one year of like junior college that that wasn't going to be my, my lot. And um, so I just, you know, when I was hooked on the, on the acting thing, though, I just stuck with that. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody that influenced you? Like that you looked up to in the acting world also? Yeah. David Mamet, <clears throat> who was one of, not necessarily an actor, but um, he's the one who sort of like changed the trajectory of my, like th- even for me to even have a career and be sitting mm. with you right now. So he was a guest professor, went to theater school in Chicago and um, Roosevelt University. And I was on a scholarship and I was failing out of it because it was my first year. Wow. And I didn't, I think like uh, when I decided I wanted to be an actor, got into theater school, I didn't know any other way to really get into acting but i just really wanted to be like robert de niro and goodfellas or joe pesci like i didn't really give a shit about shakespeare i didn't know who he was the greek trad you know all of the all of this stuff that we were studying i just didn't get it was going over my head i felt lost i was like with all these performer kids who came from performing arts high schools which i didn't even know existed 
Wow. Like from the south side of Chicago, I'm like, I don't know. You just go to public school. What's a performing arts high school? You know, I didn't, I didn't get it, um, and uh, and I didn't come from that kind of upbringing. You know, it was very mm. blue collar. So anyway, I was I was in my first year of theater school, failing out, losing my scholarship. You know, gonna lose my scholarship. And so David Mamet, he wrote Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, like one of our greatest American uh, playwrights um, and screenwriters, wrote Hoffa the untouchables um and so he was just a guest professor and uh he knew that i was uh struggling and he gave me a copy of glenn gary glenn ross and he said read this and then you know let's talk next week and i sort of threw the play (laughs) i like went home and and uh like threw the play aside and i'm like i'm not gonna read this play whatever i was you know but i was working at blockbuster video and so I was restocking videos on the shelf and I'm re- I restock a copy of Glengarry Glenn Ross. It's got Al Pacino's face, who I love, you know, Jack Lemon, Alec Baldwin. And I thought to myself, oh shit, that's the play I have. I was like, that's my professor. I didn't even know who he was. You know, I like just thought he was just a teacher. <laughs> yeah. And so he was someone I really looked up to because he, he talked a lot about acting and what an actor mm. should do and shouldn't do. And I've always, um, He's always like my barometer for um, the business and the industry. And it was, it wasn't an acting class he was teaching per se, but he taught me so much about acting. So I would say probably David Mamet. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. You mentioned Al Pacino. I was trying to, do, I was doing some research on you. What's that little story that you met Al Pacino? Cause you wrote a script also. Yeah. I wrote this awful <laughs> one act play uh, in college in theater school. I, uh, um, I decided switch my acting degree to a directing degree okay. for some reason i had it in my mind that it was more valuable mm. frankly any kind of acting or directing or writing degree is not valuable <laughs> it means zero at the end of the day once you get into the industry you know yeah. uh, unless you want to teach so but i had it in my mind i was like oh, i'm gonna get a directing degree so i had to direct a play and uh, i decided i was going to write a play uh, and I was a huge fan of Al Pacino and he did this terrible movie called author author in like the eighties where he played okay. a player awful movie. It was like when his career was on the down. So I wrote this play and I titled it Al Pacino, Al Pacino. So I'm like putting it on. And then that night next door to my theater school is a movie premiere of one of his movies. And he's, I find out he's going to be there. So I, I basically, push myself into like the press line where all the photographers are <laughs> he comes walking down the carpet and I I just like jump onto the red carpet and I, ha- I go I wrote this play about and he like stopped and I, I don't even think I knew what I was I made a scene <laughs> but I didn't realize it because I was just like here and I gave him a copy of my awful terrible play and I had a friend who was at the premiere and he said he had it the whole night he was holding on to it <laughs> he went up on stage and he was talking he had it in his hand he was sitting he had it in his hand so I don't know if Al ever read it. You, you got to find out. Al. You got to do some digging around now. You got to find I out know. if you ever read that. I know. I know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm a huge fan, huge fan of Al Pacino. Oh yeah. Huge, massive. Speaking of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I mean, you know, he was, in, I mean, just a massive fan of, of all of his uh, work. I got to study uh, years later down the road with Al's acting mentor, this guy named Jack Walter. Uh, who's an original actor studio guy. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be allowed into his class. 
um, because he doesn't really take new students. He's ancient. He's like 300 years old, but he was in the original version of 12 Angry Men on Broadway. That's But he was at he was Al's teacher and I got to teach and I talk with Jack a lot about Al and and he told me a lot about him as an actor and um, all that stuff. So it was a little bit connected, a little bit connected. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Man, yeah. You never know. One day you might meet him again and you might say, hey, I, yeah. did, I do remember that night and I do remember yeah. reading it. Or, you, or he's yeah. going to tell you, you threw it in the trash. You never know. <laughs> I mean, like, I remember it because it was so terrible. I mean, it was really bad. It was it was awful. Anyway, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into your, your new roles as Simon McDougall on Power Force uh, and Power Book Force. Uh, was this like an audition? How did this happen for you? Yeah, it's an interesting story. Uh, I know Joe. Okay, he's 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 one of my longest friends in this business, and just a very very good friend of mine in general. Um, uh, my writing partner in some instances, we've written some scripts together. Um, I knew that the show was going to be coming along, so I casting reached out when they got the the pilot. Um, I knew that I you know, wanted to be on the show, but they said there was nothing right for me on the mm-hmm. show. So I asked for the script and I read it and I read this Simon McDougall character and I'm thinking to myself, an Irish guy who has a drinking problem, <laughs> who lives in Chicago. And it's like, uh, you know, I was just like, this is, this is, I know, I grew up around this. This is totally my role. Um, and they wouldn't read me for it. So I had to reach out to Joe and I said, Joe, I, I, they said, I'm not right for this. And he was like, that's insane. You're a thousand percent right for it. So then he wrote a note to um, the, sh- the showrunner, Robert Munich. And then they saw me, but I had to still go through the entire audition process. And there was, there was a few of those. And then I finally got the part, but I, that's how I got it. And then originally, again, they just, I wasn't wow. thought of, you know, wow. yeah. So how did, when you, after you got the role and everything, and uh, you said, you know, you've been around that before, but how did you prepare to play this role? That's a great question. I was, you know, I was trying to find my way into it. It was kind of in many ways a dream role because, you know, I always, again, I, you know, my, uh, my great uncle was a, um, he had his own crew in the outfit in Chicago which is uh, unlike the East coast and you have the mafia Chicago, yeah. the outfit. And so he had his own crew, um, you know, and he's Irish and you, you could do that. Um, and I, like I said, so I grew up around this and, and, you know, one of my favorite TV series of all time is the Sopranos. And I always wished I could be on the Sopranos. So I thought, well, this is, this is it. This is the, this is my, this is as close as I'm going, going to get to that playing this character. So I was trying to find my way into it. Um, and I was watching an episode of, I'm not into reality shows, but, uh, I love to cook. So Gordon Ramsay has this show kitchen nightmares Yeah. that I'll just like, I, I'm just super into. And there was, I was just sitting there watching it. And there was this episode about this dude. I don't know if he had a restaurant. I don't know if it was a restaurant in like long Island or whatever, but he was basically like a Simon McDougal, like looking like Italian mafioso dude. And he the customers would like walk in if they complained he'd like try to like fight them mm. <laughs> he would kick them out of the restaurant he'd be like get the fuck out of here get out he was like I, the dude was out of his 
fucking mind. And I was like, that's Simon McDougal, a dude who tries to fight his own customers at a restaurant. Um, so um, it was a little bit of that. And then I wanted to, you know, when I was reading the script, I thought there's not a whole lot of like, I mean, Joe has, Joe's like Mr. Cool on the show. That's the idea mm. of Tommy. He has great one-liners, right? But other than that, in the scenes I was in, I was like, well, how do I, how do I bring some comedy and some levity, some, you know, to, to, to these, these scenes, you know, because uh, Shane's character, Vic is very like, you know, straight. So I'm like, if he's a straight man, you know, I'm going to go a little bit like sad clown. So I was looking at like, kind of like um, uh, what uh, Tony Sirico does, like, you know, Polly Walnuts on Sopranos, you know, that kind of, so that was, so it was like a combo of the, I mean, the dude on Kitchen Nightmares, I, I have to figure out what episode it is. I mean, is hilarious to watch, but also scary. But on The Sopranos, you know, I sort of looked at that relationship that uh, Sirico had with his character to Gandolfini. And I thought, you know, I want that. I want every scene that I'm in when I come on screen. I want people to, to laugh. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want them, even though Simon's a scary dude, I, I want people to, to laugh at him. And, and that and that's effect has been fully achieved. So. And you mentioned, you know, like the like the fighting and everything. Like you had, I already watched uh, episode one last night, and yeah. uh, you get it. You have a fight in, in the first, uh... right? Tell us a little about that. Like, now was that you? Or was that a stunt? That was well. That was no. That was all Joe and I. Wow. So originally, it was like this pre-visualized fight. Um, Joe and I were just talking about it. He was in town recently. We were we were telling someone that someone asked us about it. And we were talking about, it. but. Uh, it was pre-visualized already um, by a stunt team. And we really weren't given a lot of time for rehearsal. Really? And, you know, I, th I think, you know, certainly our longstanding relationship of 27 years, like this was a mm -hmm. huge moment for us, this fight scene. And we weren't really, I, we weren't really given the time to, to prep or do it right. And they wanted to use the stunt team. And so, you know, Joe sort of insisted, like, let us, let us, go for it they used the stunt team for a little bit it didn't really work i don't think the director was in love with it per se um but joe and i they gave joe and i time and we basically choreographed that whole thing and we did it all ourselves so i mean you know we really took the falls and i've never done my own stunt work so we just you know we just went for it um and i knew that i could trust joe and he could trust me and, but we were going for it. Like when we were swinging, we were swinging. Like Joe, literally, like I remember one of the takes, Joe's like, really try to hit me, Donlin. Like really try. Huh. Yeah. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yep. And now Joe is a, is a, is, was a, a amateur boxer and like very good, you know, and um, won a lot of fights. So I know Joe, when he says it, he's not just like, you know, He's not like some actor saying it. Like, I'm like, okay, this, you know, Joe, if he's saying it. He means it. He really, wow. he's, he's going to be all right. So we were, we were really, I mean, granted, I mean, it's choreographed. Mm. We knew when the punches were going to come. But um, the thing I love most about that scene is that it's, it's, there's no close ups. It's, it's like mediums to wides. So it's like you, re you really see, you really see it. So you buy right. it, I think, as opposed to cutting to a close up of a fist, you know, and a, you know, whatever, or an arm swinging, which is what a lot of fights will do. But like, if you look at, um, 
the old school stuff, like in the Westerns with like John Wayne, these are big wide shots with like 20 dudes, chairs yeah. are flying and both, and they're not cutting. So you're like, these guys are really, you know, much like uh, professional, <laughs> professional wrestling. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you still, I mean, okay. You're not taking a punch to the face, but you still like, you're getting a chair broken over your mm. back. I still got thrown into the dumpster. I still hit my head into the dump. I mean, I tried not to, but I'd still sort of knock my head in sometimes to be thrown against the railing. I'm really thrown against Joe wow. through me, wow. you know? And um, so it was cool. Yeah. It was, we were proud of that scene yeah. for sure. After episode one aired, like, uh, I don't, did you go on social media at all? Cause like when you, if you type up on like on Twitter, Simon McDougal, uh-huh. they were like, yeah. fans were all over the place for your character though. I know. I know. Yeah. So I found out I was trending on Twitter uh, or Simon was trending on Twitter. Yeah. I'm like Sunday and Monday. I had people sending me screenshots and I saw them all and I loved it. I really thought it was uh, amazing. And I, you know, I, like I was going back to how I was crafting the character. It was like, I wanted a guy who you could love to hate. And so I felt like that was achieved. Mm. People really like, God, I hate this guy, but they kind of have a little soft place in their heart for uh, Simon McDougal. Um, But I heard on an interview I did, which was like a a power unit, some power universe interview. Um, and they've been doing these interviews since, you know, the original series. And they said that, uh, I guess my character made the, like, most hated, the quickest on any of the power characters ever in the universe. Like, people were like, that, I want that dude to die, like, now. (laughs) So you did your job right. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Any, like, weird, like, DMs from, like, fans or anything about the character? Oh, yeah, completely. Well, what's funny is, is that uh, Gabrielle, who plays Gloria, the, uh, the bartender, mm. um, she told me that she was getting DMs from dudes saying, like, do you want, I'll take care of Simon for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, she's like, this is not even real. What is going on here? So um, a, a thousand percent. It was... Um, yeah, I and I did. I got like super weird, super weird DMs, you know, and on Twitter. Um, and I would and I would engage with the fans, you know. Yeah. Uh, but after a while, sometimes I get a little like, uh, you know, I was just like, well, guys, let me back off. Like someone's like, you deserve to fucking die, you know. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. okay, yeah, block. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, someone wanted to. Uh, someone wrote me and said, could I? follow you around and, and video you walking around every day some weird stuff i mean so the the dms have been extreme like just in general yeah. uh since the episode airing they've been very odd wow. yeah right. uh, how long were you on set for how many episodes did you filmed for the first season well i can't go into that okay. for my arc uh so i'm sort of sworn to secrecy on all of that uh, but you'll you'll see me a lot okay and uh, I was on set quite a lot. Yep. 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 Awesome. Yep. Yep. Now, yep. now uh, what's next for you now? Any other projects that you can tell the listeners and viewers about that you're working on or you're about to work on? Absolutely. Um, we'll be hopefully announcing in the next couple of weeks, but I'm also a writer. So I'm okay. developing a, a show based on um, uh, if you get the new issue of Rolling Stone that's out right now. Uh, there's an article called Undercover Nazi. Of his FBI agent who uh, broke open like the um, 
biggest white supremacy ring to date in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so um, we're developing that article into a series. So we, we've been pitching the last two weeks and we've, uh, we've got some suitors okay. and we'll be making a decision soon. So that would be, uh, I'd be producing that. Oh, that's awesome. uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's my, that's my next yeah. thing that's happening, uh, right now. And then, you know, uh, looking for the next acting job or whatever comes my way. You say pitching, isn't it great now? Now we have, you know, we have network TV, but we also have like a, a billion streaming apps that you yes. have a good shot of getting your projects on now. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many outlets for content and streaming is everything now, right. you know? I mean, the networks are, I think I'm finding in these, these, these pitches, they're not really pitches. They're people pitching us as to why they want to do it, you know, which is an interesting position to be in, but they're um, finding the networks are really, you know, they're at the bottom and you get, you know, and it's really these, you know, like Netflix is like the king and then, and then there's everybody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, but it's great. I think it's, I think it's amazing because we just have more content uh, than ever. And, um, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Phil, uh, lastly, how can the listeners and the viewers find you on social media? Well, on Instagram, phil.donlon. So uh, D-O-N-L-O-N. And then on Twitter, it's phildonlon1. And that's my, that's my uh, two spots. I haven't made it onto any of the other ones yet. So, you know, I'm not that cool. <laughs> Come on. Say, uh, Simon, <laughs> everybody wants to be friends with them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, a thousand percent. Uh, Phil, this was great. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast and our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.